FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm Chris Hudson and you're listening to Castaway, FIS's free and commodity podcast. It is Wednesday the 27th of October and I do have with me Kerry, our Head of Business Development here uh, at FIS. Hello there, Chris. Well, on this week's episode, we are talk- taking a look at the dry freight market, where cakes have dropped considerably week on week. Indeed. Uh, in oil and products, where despite rising crude prices, we've seen a continued drop in that high sulfur fuel oil and a further rise in that high five spread. And the amaz- amazing rise of FERTs across the entirety of this year, just looking at what's happened uh, January to, to now, and then a little overview of what's been happening in the ferrous complex. So um, just going to reference that uh, FIS Live, I was looking at it this morning and taking a look at my customized home screen, I can see some chunky price levels on there. Urea, mid 750 bucks. Rotterdam high sulfur fuel oil, that was mid 450. Coke and coal, 400 basically. And very low sulfur fuel oil in Singapore, over 600 bucks in the Capes for the November, $30,000 a day. These are some real prices on commodities that we're seeing. And today's, the UK Chancellor will be announcing the new budget. And, and you know all the talk about the cost of living and everything, mm-hmm. but supply chain squeeze we can see that in quantities oh, right we, now we can uh, we can we can see it in the, the negative freight rates on the capes and the, the high prices for everything else pretty much but yeah but what's been happening in the news well this week u.s president joe biden is fighting to save his climate agenda ahead of the cop 26 meeting as negotiations continue over congress legislation uh, the rise of isis k in afghanistan is threatening the taliban's control of the country the sudanese army dissolved the country's parliament and declared a state of emergency Modern Land was the latest Chinese developer which missed a bond payment after Evergrande narrowly avoided default. Tesla moved past another milestone to become the first car manufacturer to be valued at over a trillion dollars. The UK emission trading scheme plans to adopt credits for direct CO2 air capture. Uh, British Vault closed in on a £200 million uh, in public funding for its UK electric car battery factory. And on the environmental front, a Japanese ship owners are to spend $10 billion annually to reach net zero, uh, with the big three owners opting for ammonia-fueled vessel projects. That's very interesting. Throws another another uh, wrench into the uh, into the debate of, uh, of uh, LNG dual fuel versus ammonia. So. And so the progress continues. Exactly. And so we still don't know where it's going. Yeah, exactly. But what about the indexes? What have we seen changes on that? Well, in the oil and product market, uh, slight rise in Brent, 85.04 to 86.32 closing. Uh, on the high sulfur fuel oils, uh, 4.55 on the ROP, 4.69 on the Sing. That's down 2% and 2.8% respectively. On the point fives, the very low sulfur fuel oil, ROT is up 0.8% to 5.85. And the Sing, 0.5% up to $608.63, clawing to FIS close report last night, up 1%. And the high fives, that's the spread between the high sulfur fuel oil and the very low sulfur fuel oil, has moved up considerably again, just like last week, up 12% on the ROP to 130 bucks, and on the Singapore, up 15.8% to $139. Uh, what about the freight and iron ore, Kerry? Well, the CAPES, as you said, quite a substantial fall. The uh, 5TC index standing at 43,985 as of yesterday. That's down 15,970 or 26.6% week on week. Uh, Panamax 4TC at 36,769, that's up $611 or 1.6%. The iron ore, plat 62 yesterday, a 122 spot 75, that's down 75 cents week on week. 
the fast markets metal bulletin 65 percent uh 143 spot 20 that's down three dollars 90 week on week and that's 65 over 62 percent spread twenty dollars 45 that's down three dollars 15 or 13.35 percent week on week and to round off we've got tankers and carbon markets to finish off tc2 down 6.8 percent to 121 11 uh tc5 124.29 up 0.3 percent t3c also up 7.9 7.8 percent sorry at 45.09 and td25 125 closing down 8.3 percent and on the eua future that's the compulsory carbon market in the eu uh was 55.21 euros last week last tuesday now it is closing last night was 59.79 but going into kind of a bit more reasoning on what's been happening, we've seen that drop off in capes, Gary. What mm. else are we seeing in that freight market specifically? Well, I mean, last week I had said that the drop on capes did seem at least partially sentiment driven. Um, but that fact certainly hasn't stopped the market from falling even further this past week. Uh, it's become a bit of a bloodbath, it has to be said, for cape rates. Uh, the market, this market in particular among the dry bulk markets, has been scared, I think, by the news emanating from China. While the macro figures in terms of Cape demand have only changed marginally for the worse, it does, and it doesn't necessarily seem like this should be enough to cause such a steep drop. Um, to put that in perspective, it's true that both Rio Tinto and Vale have trimmed their export guidance for this year, um, conveniently against falling iron ore prices. Uh, but according to the folks over at Shipping Strategy Limited, the October overall iron ore shipments uh, took look on course to be only about 5% lower month on month. Um, Coal shipments on capes look on course to be down about 6% month on month. I think that this moderate drop in, uh, in terms of the actual macro demand for capes um, has combined with a general realization, though, that China's property boom and the concurrent construction that goes with it has come to an end finally. Um, and that's affecting sentiment very, very heavily. Um, on the paper, the drop was also magnified greatly by stop losses kicking in uh, for the last couple of days in particular, as well as by reports that quite a few uncovered puts were sold for November and December at uh, what seemed at the time quite low levels, quite far out of the money uh, when the markets were high. Um, so people will be looking to cover those, obviously, and that's driving the market further down. Uh, the market has for now leveled out a bit that nov 21 paper contract uh, trading at 31,000 this morning according to fis live that's down 22,000 bucks week on week and the q1 trading at 18,800 this morning that's down 9,000 week on week panamaxes on the other hand have as per usual recently been very sedate um it must be said that both basins have been in the red this week uh just especially yesterday, led primarily by the Pacific as coal shipments to India declined and the optimism provided in recent weeks by a busier grain market evaporated a bit. This is, of course, also partially down to the dramatic falls that we've seen on the big ships. That always leads to talk of Panamax shipments being combined when the time charter averages head towards anywhere near parity between the, uh, the Panamaxes and the Capes. Um, in my opinion, this talk is probably always premature, um, nearly always premature. Uh, the rates on the capes have to stay low for quite a while before it makes sense for shippers to combine those shipments. The logistical challenges are always quite substantial in combining those shipments. Um, so I guess the advice for now would be uh, to the market on both sides, um, uh, on both sizes, really um, take a deep breath. Uh, everyone should try and remain calm. Um, the, uh, the macro figures aren't changing as fast 
as the rates are on the Capes. Um, so let's uh, let's watch and, watch and wait for a while. The Panamax paper trading this morning um, for November at thirty one eight seven five. That's about ninety four hundred bucks down week on week. Um, so substantial drops on the paper for Panamax, uh, not on the indices. So uh, the advice from Mr. Deal is keep calm and keep trading. Yeah, keep calm and carry on. <laughs> keep calm and carry. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, iron ore, on the other hand, um, I mean, we've seen a bit of a range bound market recently. Um, those seaborne interests have gradually moved from October to early no uh, and early November to late November, December now. Um, we have a very mixed bag of uh, supply and demand figures at the moment. Uh, China Iron and Steel Association reported that the total iron ore output from the seven major mining provinces increased 0.5% from the previous month to 7.19 million tons. That's up almost 350,000 tons month on month and up 20.3% year on year. Um, steel profits are actually continuing to drop among the Chinese mills, even despite the power shortages and reduced production from government constraints, as steel companies see pressure from much higher costs. Um, volumes of seaborne and port trades are fewer compared to Q3, as I just mentioned in that dry bulk section. Um, you know, iron ore seaborne shipments in October look on course to fall about 5% month on month overall. This comes against the backdrop of China port inventories rising by 976,400 tons week on week, bringing them very close to the previous two years average level. Um, bear in mind though that that is also against a backdrop of uh, the number of vessels waiting at ports in, uh, off of China to uh, reaching 204. Uh, the high for the year this year so far indicating very severe port congestion and that frankly, both supply and demand look very, very weak at the moment. Um, this is probably what's been keeping the iron ore fairly range bound. Uh, sentiment looks likely to be in the driving seat in the near term, though. I think investors need to assess China's new housing policies, the issues surrounding the finances of a number of these Chinese property developers now, and the government pollution curbs as well thrown into the mix, making that picture even less clear. I think it is worth noting for those looking at that 65-62 spread, if those pollution cuts are quite severe this winter in China, it could spark further demand for high-grade iron ores. So let's watch that space a little bit too. Um, that spread's come down quite a lot, obviously. Um, we saw thermal coal limit down this morning uh, in China uh, after the announcement by the Zhengzhou Commodity Exchange that they were raising trading margin from 30 to 40% and trading fees to 50% in its government mandated fight against market manipulation and speculation. And I definitely just wanna highlight this space a little bit because Chinese futures on the other markets, uh, the other commodity markets could be affected if there's a spillover of speculative hot money from both the thermal coal futures and let's not ignore the property market. As speculation quashes, gets quashed on the property market, that money is gonna to have to go somewhere um, if it starts to flow too rapidly into the other commodity markets, we can see some big moves there, as well as the Chinese government, I think, stepping in like they've just done with the thermal coal market to, uh, to smash that market speculation um, and try and bring down levels of, uh, of speculative money. Yeah, there is a lot of concern over what's happening in that Chinese property market and mm. something to keep, to keep an eye on. But I guess the question is, are we just returning to a bit more normality? And by that, I mean, we had China was one of the first countries to come out of the COVID restrictions. We had record levels of imports of oil of others. Yeah. Are we just 
Towards I, I think you could argue in some senses, like the oil imports, that we're probably just starting to return to normality. But I think in the property sector, the construction sector, and indeed in the steel sector, therefore, I'm not sure I would argue that. Um, this seems to be a much deeper correction. And I think, you know, it, it's fair to say we could well be seeing the end of the sort of 25-year-long speculative property boom in China right now. Um, you know, between the, the troubled property development companies, the, the necessary government bailouts that we'll probably see eventually, and Chinese changing a number of their tax policies to discourage property speculation, for example, very recently. Um, so I think this could be a longer term change in that sense. And so for the Ferris markets, obviously something to watch very, very closely. Absolutely. But talking of something which is not normal and definitely not in that range is the first little brief overview of where we've been. So uh, especially the urea values were firm yesterday, though maybe not as firm as, as some were expecting. Uh, we did see another Indian tender, which was announced. Uh, but this new tender will close on November the 1st, and it's shorter than past tenders. And the most interesting point about this one is that it will only be accepted from producers. And if you look at this, the current prices that we're seeing now, so December futures traded yesterday at 716 and 710, January futures were at 710, 715, and then 712. But bearing in mind that this market was around 250 bucks at the start of the year. So nearly a 200% increase. Remarkable, isn't it? And then talking to another market, which has basically recovered, I guess, to more normal levels of where we're used to, especially in modern times, has been the, the oil market. We saw that slight move up on Brent. Uh, we had dro dropped down a little bit on Thursday last week to, to nearly 83 bucks, but and that was being dragged down by kind of a broader weakness seen across commodities. Uh, weaker natural gas, coal prices had taken some of the support way on the oil market on that day. But we have recovered quickly again to above that 85 level. Um, US prices rose to above 85 bucks a barrel. Um, this was on Monday for the first time in seven years. Uh, a load of traders putting on some more long trades, buying into the market as supplies they think won't keep pace with the uh, fast rising return of, of global okay. demand for that product. Yet again, we've seen the split in the fuel markets with the very low sulfur fuel oil getting the gains from Brent and the high sulfur fuel oil, despite that rise in Brent, has actually fallen week on week. That high sulfur crack again has dropped uh, minus 11.40 it was last Tuesday, minus 13.85 wow. uh, last night. Again, so uh, significantly dropping off to, to levels where this was before we even had conversations necessarily about the new very low sulfur fuel oil contract. I remember levels where we used to get to minus 15, minus 20 of your usual kind of stuff before we came to yeah. almost zero when everyone went and they had that real tightness and an amazing recovery for the high sulfur fuel oil. But this may be its swan song, I think, for, <laughs> yeah. uh, for high sulfur fuel oil. It uh, seems that way. It is the weakest it's been this year now yeah. in terms of that crack. So. Global oil supplies remain under pressure, and we've seen the futures contract rally to that seven-week high. Um, forecasts of a colder-than-usual November uh, is expected to trigger power plants and to pull more heating oil and other oil derivatives as feedstocks. So definitely something to, to watch what's happening on those levels. Uh, we get those figures in terms of the EIA figures. So last week we had a draw on crude, draw on gasoline, and draw on distillates, which is interesting. Uh, the API is predicting slightly different this weeks we'll find out um later today but they are predicting a, a build in crude of 2.3 million and a build on the gasoline but again another uh, drawing cushing on the west coast for things so something to, to keep an eye on what's happening on those things and whether we do get that colder november which will obviously 
if you uh, agree with those other an analysts that this is going to be quite a tight return to, to market and demand coming back faster than production can fulfill that, then of course, this is going to be something which is ramping up closer to 100 bucks quicker than people might think. Yeah, is that is that on the back of a lot of switching between uh, from gas to oil, really? Exactly. Well, so yeah. another thing this is from uh, Goldman Sachs uh, reported by Reuters is that the global switch from of gas to oil switching could actually increase demand by about a million barrels a day as wow. well. So, okay, you, so a load of these factors are adding yeah. up to a, an interesting enter or an interesting winter, let alone all the stories you've been choosing previously about uh, <laughs> LPG and, and the others. And exactly. I think it was uh, some uh, the Russia offering countries better gas deals in loosening ties with the EU. I mean, <laughs> the gas crisis is not political at all. Kurt. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, but then if you're a subscriber to the Goldman Sachs uh, perspective of where things are going, uh, they are pushing uh, their forecast to um, over 90 bucks a barrel uh, for the end of the year. Um, the Norwegian uh, prime minister, new Norwegian prime minister, has defended oil drilling uh, and the oil production, their industry, saying that we were, he, we will not going to get to this green transition unless we have this industry transition period, which will be supported by yeah. gas. And they're the second largest producer of gas to the EU behind Russia. So uh, he's obviously dipping his toes into political issues uh, on uh, taking office fairly recently. Um, but there could potentially be a spanner in the works putting things completely opposite way. And that is, of course, uh, Iran. They have started their meetings again and negotiations with the EU about uh, another deal, which will allow their oil to come back onto the market. And that would be a significant instant point to, to add into markets to, to bring those prices down. So it may actually be a point of necessity. Again, politics <laughs> sticking its oar in into exactly. the currency market. Exactly. With high gas prices and oil and everything, the EU and the US may have to kind of give a little to uh, get a little bit more from <laughs> give Iran. Give a little to get a little, exactly. Uh, adding that. So this could add another 1.3 million barrels of, of oil to global supply. So that's be something that if this starts to constrain towards the end of the year, something they have to do. But then on the physical front, physical fuel oil, uh, this is coming from our partners, uh, Engine, uh, which do their daily updates. You can find those on F uh, FIS Live as well. Uh, in Europe, we're seeing high swells continue to threaten uh, outer anchorage, bunkering in uh, La Palmas, uh, but suppliers are carrying out deliveries as normal. Um, winds and swells in the northeast has limited bunkering to sheltered areas off Malta's west coast as well. So, so a few little bit of problems, but nothing to completely throw off the market there. East of Suez, we've seen tight supplies in Singapore of the very low sulfur fuel oil with lead times now stretching to 11 days. Uh, for Jara, the, the very low sulfur fuel oil prices has inched up again as well, lifted by a higher price stems despite Brent's uh, downward, come, uh, downward movement on price. High sulfur fuel oil 380 supply has become more difficult as well in some of the uh, East Asia ports as well. But in the US, uh, prices have just come off with those uh, oil prices dropping down. Um, the fuel grade of a very, very low sulfur fuel oil in Houston is now very similar to other areas around as well um, for that. So some slight movements in things, but generally a move up, especially if you're a subscriber to the uh, very low sulfur fuel oil. If you're a high sulfur fuel oil consumer and you've got your scrubber, again, we're pointing out that this, yeah. <laughs> this uh, hi-fi spread is only going one way, it seems. Yeah. And it's, and it's definitely helping those scrubber fitted vessels. So. But a nice overview there of our main markets on and commodities this week. It's definitely worth noting that next week we have Holly Burkett from Tradewinds uh, coming to talk to us probably about dry freight market and anything else yep, that's uh, exactly. been interesting this year. Yeah, exactly. Developments in that market. So uh, that should be a very interesting chat. 
But no, the only thing is left to thank Kerry for all his insights this week. And to everyone listening, do join us again with that special guest next week. 